Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I'm your host, Darrell McLean, and let's get into our episode. Is fully listener supported independent media that won't lead you to tribalism. You can get a membership for as little as three dollars a month at www.patreon.com slash the Darrell McLean Show. We talk about a lot of serious topics on this show. One very serious topic is women's health. One company that stood out to me was vslay.com because the owner is very transparent about her own struggles in the women's health department and has great customer service, great deals, and frequent sales. You can check her out, her great customer service, products about women's health, and frequent sales at www.vslay.com. That is www.vslay.com. Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I'm your host, Darrell McLean. Today is 10-12 of 2023. We have a lot to discuss. Let's get into this episode. Anytime you get to a complex topic, like war, peace, and propaganda, you want to always take a step back and think about that there are human lives on the other side of this conversation. That anytime any tragedy happened, anytime any terrorist event, anytime any collision or conflict over resources, land, or religion, ideology, that there are innocent people who are going to be caught in those clashes. As I want to present you some of these things that happened this week and point out the historical context around some of it, I want us to never lose the point that the people who this violence was portrayed upon are innocent and that they are not their government. That the problem that will always happen in a lot of these situations are the government, or does the government, that it makes bad decisions. And innocent people on both sides pay for it. And in these types of situations, they pay with their lives. That is the sound of Hamas militants clashing on a highway in southern Israel with Israeli forces captured by a civilian called in the crossfire. This is just one of the many clashes that took place over the weekend after a surprise attack by Hamas militants launching some 5,000 rockets from the Gaza Strip into 
Israel, followed by a ground incursion by Hamas militants into Israeli settlements just on the other side of the 25-mile open-air prison, as referred to both by Palestinians and Israeli authorities. And according to the Associated Press, nine Americans were killed in the initial attack. This is sound captured by Al Jazeera during their news broadcast of the Israeli retaliatory strike ordered by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that has, according to the Israeli Defense Forces, struck some 500 targets that they claimed to be holding militants. But according to news reports, these targets included hospitals and schools inside of the Gaza Strip. Real situations. I mean, we've seen an emergency service worker there with a young child. We have a city that has seemingly been obliterated by multiple airstrikes. We know that Israel did confirm it hit 500 what it called terrorist targets. But as we've been hearing from our correspondents on the ground, there are schools and hospitals that may have been hit. And again, I'd just like to warn our The level of devastation and destruction that has been inflicted on Gaza because of the attack from Hamas shows that the Palestinian people are already paying an extremely high price for the actions of the Hamas militants. This is the sound of emergency workers in Gaza City attempting to rescue and recover Palestinian civilians, the victims of the retaliatory strike by the Benjamin Netanyahu regime as a result of the attacks by Hamas militants over the weekend. According to Axios.com, Benjamin Netanyahu has informed the White House on Sunday that Israel does not have any choice but to unleash a ground operation in Gaza, saying, quote, we have to go in. Listen to this clip of Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant stating that he has ordered a complete siege on Gaza, also stating that Israel is fighting animals and that they intend on acting accordingly. I will be reading the translation as provided by the subtitles. We are putting a complete seize on Gaza. No electricity, no food, no water, no gas. It's all closed. We are fighting animals and are acting accordingly. Notwithstanding the very direct genocidal language by referring to the Palestinian people inside of the Gaza Strip as animals, what he is calling for, Yoav Gallant, is calling for a direct violation of the Geneva Convention, which bans collective punishment in international law. Yet because of the images and the videos coming out of the horrific attack that was committed by the Hamas militants that indiscriminately killed civilians, some 260 civilians killed at a music festival just on the other side of the Gaza Strip, And because of those images and images of other civilians being killed, images and videos of several women being raped by the Hamas militants, along with images of children who were killed, the far right wing government of Benjamin Netanyahu has been given significant latitude from the international community as to how much indiscriminate violence they rain down on the Palestinian people collectively in retaliation for the surprise attack 
committed by Hamas militants over the weekend. The Biden administration, for their part, released the following statement saying, quote, This morning I spoke with Prime Minister Netanyahu about the horrific and ongoing attacks in Israel. The United States unequivocally condemns this appalling assault against Israel by Hamas terrorists from Gaza. And I made it clear to Prime Minister Netanyahu that we stand ready to offer all appropriate means of support to the government and the people of Israel. Terrorism is never justified. Israel has a right to defend itself and its people. The United States warns against any other party hostile to Israel seeking advantage in this situation. My administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering, end quote. And for their part, the Republican Party here in the United States has never found a crisis that they are unwilling to exploit for their political gain. Listen to this clip of Republican Party Chair Rana Romney. McDaniel, as she states that the conflict between Israel and Gaza is an excellent opportunity for Republicans. Absolutely. I think this is a great opportunity for our candidates to contrast where Republicans have stood with Israel time and time again. Now, taking consideration the statement that I just read from President Joe Biden stating that his administration and the United States of America unequivocally stands with the state of Israel. And keep in mind, this is despite Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant stating that they intend on violating Geneva Conventions in order to impose collective punishment on the Palestinian people for what Hamas did. Despite that, the administration has stated that they are standing unequivocally with Israel, but that's insufficient for Ronald McDaniel and is apparently insufficient for the Republican candidates for president. Listen to the sound from former President Donald Trump, as well as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence, as they all try to posture themselves as being more supportive of Israel than the Biden administration. The Israeli attack was made because we are perceived as being weak and ineffective and with a leak, a really weak leader. The Iranians are funding Hamas and Hezbollah and all these groups, and they're funding it in part with money that they've gotten because of the Biden administration's weak policies. This is what happens when you have a president like Joe Biden. I also believe this is what happens when you have leaders in the Republican Party. They're signaling retreat on the world stage. Now, pay close attention to the talking point that Ron DeSantis just forwarded. It is the same talking point that has been regurgitated and recycled all across social media from conservatives in their echo chamber, stating that this attack, this surprise attack by Hamas militants over the weekend, was partially funded by the $6 billion the Biden administration used in a prisoner swap with Iran. Here is Secretary of State Anthony Blinken responding to these claims on State of the Union on CNN this weekend. Uh, the facts are these. No U.S. Uh, taxpayer dollars were involved. These were Iranian resources uh, that uh, Iran had accumulated from the sale of its oil uh, that were stuck in a bank in South Korea. They have had from day one, under our law, under our sanctions, the right to use these monies for humanitarian purposes. They were moved from one account uh, to another in another country to facilitate that use. As of now, not a single uh, dollar has been spent uh, from that account. And again, uh, the account is closely regulated by the U.S. Treasury Department, so it can only be used for things like food, medicine, uh, medical equipment. That's what this is about. And by the way, the previous administration set up a very similar mechanism to enable Iran to use um, its oil proceeds that were blocked in various places or stuck in various places for humanitarian purposes. So people are either misinformed or they're misinforming. Either way, it's wrong. Either people are misinformed or they are misinforming. Either way, it is wrong. It is so wrong, yet so popular in conservative circles, in the conservative echo chamber. 
Fox News itself had to debunk the lie. Listen to this clip. The $6 billion is still currently held in a Qatari bank account with U.S. Treasury oversight. The money came from Iranian oil sales to South Korea and did not include U.S. taxpayer dollars. NSC spokesperson Adrian Watson said in a statement, quote, Not a single cent from these funds has been spent yet, and when it is spent, it can only be spent on things like food and medicine for the Iranian people. These funds have absolutely nothing to do with the horrific attacks today, and this is not the time to spread disinformation. So while Republicans are doing their standard operating procedure, which is lying and using propaganda to try to blame Democrats for everything, Democrats are simultaneously doing everything they can to let Israel know that they stand with them despite the fact that Israel is currently engaging in Geneva Convention violations through collective punishment of all Palestinians in Gaza as a result of what Hamas did over the weekend. And also later in this episode, we will be discussing the failure of intelligence on the part of the Benjamin Netanyahu administration. Questions are arising as to whether or not it was a failure in intelligence or intelligence that was ignored. And this is coming from two papers in Israel. But first, I feel that it is important for you to understand the background of what's happening in Gaza and uh, the reality of the living conditions of the Palestinian people who are trapped there, who are unable to leave despite being told to leave by the Netanyahu regime. I, I want us to really take in consideration not only their living conditions, but who they are, these 2.2 million people where nearly 50% of them are under the age of 18. This audio is prepared and provided by Means.TV. Gaza Strip is only 25 miles long and about 5 miles wide. Two million Palestinians live packed into this tiny space, one of the most densely populated places in the world. Half are children. Many live in refugee camps speckled throughout the besieged territory. A stunning 80% of the population relies on foreign aid. Aptly called an open-air prison, there are only two ways to leave the enclosed area. The Rez crossing into Israeli territory and the Rafa crossing, which goes to Egypt. Both are completely controlled by hostile militaries. What Israel calls a border is actually a heavily militarized perimeter fence comprised of barbed wire, surveillance networks, and lethal no-go zones. If you roam too close to the so-called no-go zone, which extends 300 meters out from the fence, Israeli forces have authorized themselves to shoot to kill. Thousands of unarmed Palestinians have been shot for violating this rule in 2018 alone. The same goes for Gaza's coastline. It is the only place in the world where you can't even flee by boat, as refugees elsewhere often do. Fishermen are restricted to only a few nautical miles from their shore. Strain past that, even by accident, you can be blown out of the water by Israeli warships. A massive seawall in the north and south, currently being extended, boxes them into their small sliver of sea. This violence is compounded by an economic blockade that imposes a chokehold of poverty on Gaza resulting in one of the highest unemployment rates in the world, according to the World Bank. 70% of the youth are unemployed, with 52% for the general population. 
Stay with us. We'll be right back. It goes without saying that this show does not happen without listener support. Support the Darrell McLean show by going to www.patreon.com and getting a membership for $3. Or you can go to buzzsprouts.com slash the Darrell McLean show and hit the subscribe button and join there. Many ways to donate to the show. Independent media that won't reinforce tribalism. We have one planet. Nobody is leaving, so let us reason together. www.patreon.com slash the Jerome McLean Show or go to Buzzsprouts and to the Jerome McLean Show and subscribe. Now, before I go any further, I think it's important that I make a few statements and make them extremely clear. Hamas is not Palestine. Palestine is greater than Hamas. In fact, Hamas has been guilty of some of the most brutal oppression of the Palestinian people and their actions have led to thousands of Palestinians being slaughtered because of the decisions of Hamas. Hamas is not Palestine. Hamas is made up of young Palestinian men who have grown up underneath the conditions that you just heard. Hamas is made up of young Palestinian men who have seen their brothers, their mothers, their sisters, their fathers be treated like the very animals that Defense Minister Yoav Gallant called them. They are a people who have been underneath occupation for years. Entire families have grown up underneath this occupation and these brutal conditions. And so, yes, it is a ripe ground for recruiting people who will engage in the extremism that we saw this weekend. But you cannot look at what happened this weekend and take it out of context of the conditions imposed upon the Palestinian people by the right wing government of Benjamin Netanyahu. Here is Mehdi Hassan of MSNBC explaining the conditions of the average Palestinian. Because what happened in Israel was horrific, uh, deadly, heartbreaking. And the Israeli government is obviously going to retaliate, as you mentioned there. Uh, there have already been retaliatory airstrikes, but there's talk of escalation, of a ground invasion, of you know exacting a price. And you have to understand, when we talk about Gaza in the West, for a lot of people, it's very easy to conflate Hamas which is a militant group that carries out acts of vicious terror, as they did this weekend, with Gaza, which is a place that contains 2.2 million people, Alex, half of them children. Half of the 2.2 million people are children. And it's one of the most densely populated places on planet Earth. You've got 2.2 million people crowded into 141 square miles. So they automatically become the victims of Israeli airstrikes because it's so crowded, because it's so densely populated. And it's basically like living, Alex, in an open-air prison. And those aren't my words. Those are the words of the former head of Israeli intelligence just a few months ago, Tamir Pan. He said, we're treating Gaza like an open-air prison. So that is the context that is so important for us to remember when we talk about Gaza as some kind of you know strange, faraway place, people shouting with guns. It's actually a real place with real people, families, and they're living in horrific conditions, Alex. You know, 59% of Gazans live in poverty, 63% food insecure, 70% of young people unemployed, 90% of Gazans have no access to clean drinking water. The UN Secretary General called it hell on earth. How much more hellish is it going to get in the coming days? Well, if history is any indicator, Mehdi is getting ready to get a lot more hellish for the Palestinian people. 
the asymmetrical nature of the conflict between Israel and Palestine is best evidenced by the number of people who were killed in retaliation by Israel on Palestine. And I think one of the most starkest contrasts would be the 2018 conflict where you have 130 Israelis who died in the conflict compared to 31,558 Palestinians who died in the conflict in 2019, 133 were killed on the Israeli side, 15,628 were killed on the Palestinian side. Go back in time to 2014, 2,796 Israelis were killed compared to the 19,860 Palestinians who died. We can see throughout history that when Israel strikes back, they strike with a disproportionate amount of force that obliterates the Palestinian people, creating the next generation of recruits for militant organizations like Hamas. And so the question that I have is for people like Benjamin Netanyahu and people like Ben Shapiro, the American commentator of Jewish descent who is actively online inflaming this situation, disregarding the lives of Palestinians. My question for them is how many Palestinians have to die this time? And what's usually frustrating about these conversations is the follow-up question that is always asked, doesn't Israel have the right to protect itself? Even as Israel has a right to defend itself, the question is, when is enough enough? At what point have you taken enough lives to satisfy your retaliation ratio or what I call the revenge ratio? What is the number been, Ben Shapiro or Benjamin Netanyahu? How many, how many Palestinian children have to die? If we look at a different number, the numbers that I just gave you were combatants, but I want you to take in consideration the number of children and civilians who have died in several operations showing a very stark and a very dark revenge ratio. In the conflict in 2008 and 2009, approximately three Israeli civilians were killed. 295 Palestinian civilians were killed. That's a 98 to 1 ratio. In 2014, six Israeli civilians were killed. 1,462 Palestinian civilians were killed. That's a 244 to 1 ratio. In 2021, in the May conflict, two Israeli civilians were killed for 65 Palestinian civilians. That's a 32.5 to 1 ratio. I'm wondering what will the ratio be when this conflict is over? How many Palestinians will die? both as a result of the actions of Hamas, as well as the revenge ratio that is exacted from Palestinians by the Israeli government every single time they have a conflict and they have a conflict almost every year. And if you wanna understand why half of their 2.2 million population are children, that's because of how many military age young men are killed in each of these operations. For you from two papers in Israel, so that you can ascertain the, the position of different voices in Israel. The first is from Haaretz, and it reads as follows. The disaster that befell Israel is the clear responsibility of one person, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister who has prided himself on his vast political experience and irreplaceable wisdom in security matters, completely failed to identify the dangers he was consciously leading Israel into when establishing a government of annexation and dispossession, while embracing a foreign policy that openly ignored the existence and the rights of Palestinians, end quote.
it's important to hear these voices because oftentimes when we speak about Israel, people speak collectively as if they are a monolith. Just like when people speak about Jewish people, they equate Jewish people with the right-wing government of Israel. There are dissenting voices in Israel, not only right now today, even in reaction to what Hamas did. There are Israeli voices, Jewish people who are still standing for the Palestinian people in the face of the horror that was brought down on them by Hamas. So it's important to realize that Israel is no more a monolith than the United States of America and that the Israeli government does not equal the Jewish people. Here's a report from the Times of Israel. The headline states, Egypt intelligence official says Israel ignored repeated warnings of, quote, something big. And it reads as follows, quote, mounting questions over Israel's massive intelligence failure to anticipate and prepare for a surprise Hamas assault were compounded Monday when an Egyptian intelligence official said that the Jerusalem had ignored repeated warnings that the Gaza-based terror group was planning something big, which included an apparent direct notice from Cairo's intelligence minister to the prime minister. The Egyptian official said Egypt, which often serves as a mediator between Israel and Hamas, has spoken repeatedly with the Israelis about something big without elaborating. He said Israeli officials were focused on the West Bank and played down the threat from Gaza. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government is made up of supporters of West Bank settlers who have demanded a security crackdown there in the face of a rising tide of violence over the last 18 months. Quote, we have warned them an explosion of the situation is coming and very soon and it would be big. But they underestimated such warnings. The official who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he wasn't authorized to discuss the content of sensitive intelligence discussions with the media told the Associated Press. In one of the said warnings, Egypt's intelligence minister, General Abbas Kamel, personally called Netanyahu only 10 days before the massive attack that Gazans were likely to do, quote, something unusual, a terrible operation, according to the news site. Unnamed Egyptian officials told the site that they were shocked by Netanyahu's indifference to the news and said the premier told the minister of the military was submerged in troubles in the West Bank. So my question is, was this a failure in intelligence or was this intelligence ignored? It seems very unlikely that an intelligence agency that has such a secure perimeter around the Gaza Strip with surveillance and intelligence coming from all sources, all types of sources and all of their resources and assets in the region, that they had no idea this was coming. If that is the case, that represents one of the greatest failures in intelligence history. Now, according to this Egyptian official, it also sounds like this could be a case of intelligence that was ignored, eerily reminiscent of 9-11. And I bring this up because all over the weekend, we have seen the assertion that the attacks by Hamas on Israel was Israel's 9-11. I wonder if that includes intelligence that was ignored, giving George W. Bush the latitude that he needed to carry out his war in Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, why would I bring this up? Well, not only because it's being reported by the Times of Israel, the Associated Press, and coming from Egyptian intelligence officials, I bring this up also because I have to ask the question, who is the biggest beneficiary of the current lay of the land? It's not Hamas. They're going to be destroyed. 
It's not the Palestinian people. They are going to suffer an unimaginable hellish landscape over the next coming months. It's not the average Israeli citizen because they are caught in this conflict and they are just coming off of a massive protest against Benjamin Netanyahu because of the Supreme Court reforms that he forced on the Israeli people, leading to hundreds of thousands of Israelis marching in the street against the far right wing government of Benjamin Netanyahu. And now all of those voices have been diminished because of the mobilization that is currently taking place. Again, it is highly irresponsible to look at the Israeli people as a monolith when they have as much dissent in their domestic politics as we have in the United States. According to the Associated Press, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was facing corruption trial that has resumed. And I want to read this from the Associated Press dated April 27, 2023, quote, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's corruption trial has resumed after a month long break, refocusing the spotlight on the long serving leaders legal woes after a wave of protest over his government's plan to overhaul the country's judiciary. Netanyahu was charged with fraud breach of trust and accepting bribes in three separate scandals involving powerful media moguls and wealthy associates. And he, of course, denies wrongdoing, end quote. So I have to ask the question, was this a failure of intelligence or was this intelligence intentionally ignored? And if so, why? Why would Benjamin Netanyahu have a 10 day lead on this attack and do nothing about it? Well, I'll let you think about that and come up with your own conclusions. What I know for certain is that there are a lot of people who are currently dying and a lot more who are going to die. What I know for certain is that Hamas has not been a good force for the Palestinian people, even though they control with a brutal iron fist the Palestinian people who are trapped in the Gaza. And when I consider the fact that there are 2.2 million people who are now running back and forth from one shelter to the next because they can't leave, but they have been told to evacuate. So they are constantly on the move right now. Palestinian women and children, fathers and brothers, they are constantly on the move right now from one place to another, from one end of this 25 mile strip to the other end in order to find shelter away from the retaliatory forces of Benjamin Netanyahu. I know that Hamas killed women and children and deserve no credit from us as leftists, as progressives, or even as people who stand in complete solidarity with the Palestinian cause. And actually, let me speak for me. Hamas does not get my respect. In fact, Hamas gets my total and absolute condemnation because of what they did this weekend and also because of how barbaric they have been against the Palestinian people themselves. But what I do know right now are women and children, particularly the children, particularly the children. Because as I've covered the story for, for years, the, the conflicts that I have seen just in the time that I have been covering it over the last 10 years. It is the images of the children, not just the children who are killed and their bodies are devastated in the streets. It's not just that that breaks me. It's the children that survive that breaks me because they're left on their own in this city, in this strip to fend for themselves. 
because their brothers, their uncles, their dads, their mothers were killed in the last conflict. And they seem to have one of these conflicts every year, if not every other year. And so there always is a group, a new group of traumatized children who witness their loved ones get killed by a retaliatory strike by Israel, only to survive and come into a world where 90% of them don't have access to clean water. An obscene amount of them cannot get employment because of the unemployment rate. They only survive with foreign aid that is currently being cut off because of what Hamas did. They can't leave through the north through Israel and they can't leave through the south through Egypt and they can't leave by way of the sea. They are trapped in an open air prison and now they have to face another retaliation because of what Hamas did. Scathing towards Netanyahu and I think appropriately so. His life's work was to turn the ship and make the two-state solution impossible. En route to this goal, he found a partner in Hamas. And this is the quote. Anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state has to support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas, he told a meeting of his Likud party's Knesset members in March 2019. This is part of our strategy to isolate the Palestinians in Gaza from the Palestinians in the West Bank. If you don't like Hamas, take it up with Bibi. The author's name of this piece is uh, G.D. Weitz. All the violence is lamentable, and it's all on the doorstep of the Israeli government, um, particularly Benjamin Netanyahu. And the solution is ceasefire. Um, not violence um, is the answer, which is what Bibi Netanyahu is saying right now. Yes, violence is the answer. Jake Oshinklaus is saying, yeah, violence is the answer for a little bit, um, and then well, violence won't be the answer again. No, ceasefire, and then we need to move toward an end of this occupation and rights for people. Yep. So I asked the question on the last show, and I'm going to restate it as much as I can on this show. How shall in- integrity face oppression? What shall honesty do in the face of deception, decency in the face of insult, self-defense before blows? How shall desert and accomplishment meet despising detraction and lies? What shall virtue do to meet brute force? There are so many answers and so contradictory and such differences for those on the one hand, who meet questions similar to this once a year, once a decade, and those who face them hourly and daily. I ask that question in the context of this conflict. How shall integrity face oppression? What shall honesty do in the face of deception? Decency in the face of insult, self-defense before blows. How shall desert an accomplishment Meet despising, distraction, and lies. What shall virtue do to meet brute force? When it comes to his situation, like I said in the very beginning, I want to state it equivocally now again. These conflicts, there are no winners. There are only people who lose. And when they lose, the saddest part of this conflict is they lose something that they can never get back. They lose their lives. And you look and you see why this happens year after year after year when the solution seems to be so clear. The people on the ground 
the everyday common folk, not the policy makers, they don't want these conflicts. They have been living sometimes in harmony next to each other already. But the politicians and the people in power and the settlers want this conflict. If you go back and look at the map of the Palestinians in the year of 1947 and then you take a look and see how the map looks in 2023 heck I've even seen maps all the way back to 1914 juxtaposed to how it looks now you can see why this conflict is festering it is deeply sad and frustrating because I do not see an end in sight but it is important that we recognize that while you have these assaults these killings these maimings that everything that's happening happens to innocent people when Hamas uh, goes to a music festival and kills innocent Israeli citizens they are killing people who wrote no policy they are killing people who stole no homes they are killing people who bulldozed no land they are killing innocent people who have been caught in the crossfire of bad public policy when Israel does its retaliatory strikes and they bomb Palestine and Palestine is the third most densely populated place in the U in the world. I almost said the United States, but that's because I put a lot of this on the United States foot as well as I do some of the neighboring countries in the Middle East who have tried to turn their back on the Palestinian struggle and act as if that it is not their problem because it is in their region. But as, as I'll get back to what I was going to say, when Israeli do their airstrikes in Palestine and the Palestinians suffer and are killed when they cut off water, when they cut off aid, when they cut off right to travel. Everybody that dies that is Palestinian, they have killed no Israeli person. They are not the ones that are doing the terrorist attack. They have done nothing but been caught in the crossfire of bad public policy and this bad public policy when it comes into the Israel-Palestinian conflict always cost people their lives uh, when, when these situations happen there is a lot of people who want to both sides this to death and the only thing I can think about when it comes to both sides is that both sides people are constantly and will constantly sadly keep dying over something that they don't want to give up land and resources there won't be peace in the Middle East as long as this public policy position is so poorly poorly propagated see you on the next episode 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Of course, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com and getting a membership for as little as $3 a month. Again, that's www.patreon.com slash The Darrell McLean Show. Show is fully listener-supported, independent media that won't lead you to tribalism. Get a membership and support independent media at www.patreon.com slash The Jerome McLean Show.